0: Hello, everybody, and welcome to Episode 2 of the Valley Golf Guys podcast.
1: I am Mark, along with Kyle here. This episode's going to be a good one. Uh, We're out at Mirabelle Golf Club for the Maui Gym Collegiate Invitational Tournament. We had an interview with Ryan Donovan, head coach of the San Diego State Aztecs, Um, coach also of Xander Shoffley. Yeah, Ryder Cup team member. Right. He played when he played at uh, San Diego State. He played with Scott Piercy. Um, So... Got a lot of experience there, Um, had a lot of interesting things to say, and uh, we were very uh, enlightened by the information they gave us. Very fortunate
0: to be able to go out there. We can't thank them enough for letting us go out there and uh, spend some time with the guys on the range and see how they hit it. We were very impressed with how the kids
1: hit it, and uh, I think you'll be impressed with their scores as well. Yeah, definitely. So uh, sit back, relax, uh, enjoy this episode. And uh, we did have a little bit of wind, a little disclaimer. There was some wind out there, so some of the sound gets a little broken up at times. So just kind of bear with the podcast. Uh, bear with us on that. Um, it's worth it. You get some good content. Exactly. In nothing we can kind of do about that. So um, enjoy it, and uh, we'll talk to you later. He's
2: guy the ball! Jesus yeah, I can't park my car, get my bags. Put on some weight, will I Give me half a half dozen of those Vulcan D10s and set my friend up here with the whole schmear. You know, clubs, bags, shoes, gloves, shirt, pants. Hey, all these balls, I'll have a box of those. Give me a box of those naked lady tees and give me two of those, give me six
1: of those. Oh, it looks good on you though. We are live from Mirabelle Golf Club in Scottsdale, Arizona. Site of the 2021 Maui Gym collegiate invitational tournament beautiful day out here today absolutely got uh sunglasses on they're necessary yes
0: which we is are. very fitting because it's the maui gym intercollegiate so you I might as well have your sunglasses on
1: i do actually feel kind of bad that i'm wearing oakley's uh but that's okay because oakley's your brand shout out to oakley shout out to oakley and maui gym we love them all we do we do As long as they protect your eyes, we love them all. Right. So this is is a very special opportunity for us. We have, how many teams are out here for
0: this event? So I'm just bringing up the T-sheet right now. So we have Alabama, Clemson, Georgia Tech, Auburn, Louisville, Georgia State, Arizona State, Arizona State Individuals, Washington, Arizona Individuals, Arizona, San Diego State, New
1: Mexico, Oregon, in california quite a list yeah the very impressive list so a lot of what you're saying is that we have a lot of extremely good young talents oh yeah i mean not this week no i would not even say good i would say great right so we're uh, so today's thursday so they got their practice round today so um david ingram uh director of golf out here at Mirabelle was nice enough to invite us and have us out here on the range today, so we're on the, out here at the practice facility, and uh, we're going to get some interviews going, uh, talk to these kids about what it's like to play collegially at such a high level, you know, kind of what it took to get there, and uh, just their thoughts and feelings on on the
0: event. Yeah, we know you can't see it from where you're sitting, but we got the University of Alabama warming up here right in front of us. They're the first to tee off today here in the practice round, so... Uh, we'll hopefully get them over. We're going to have a closest to the hole contest with our FlightScope Mevo Plus. Got it set up at Stone Canyon. We're going to have a 9,700 yard hole somewhere right in there, 97 to 100. Going to let them hit some closest to the hole shots, see how close they can get it, maybe get a hole in one. Um, so that'll be fun, and we don't really have anything for that, but just see, see who we can... Bragging rights, we'll call it bragging rights for the win there.
1: Right, definitely. Uh, yeah, today's going to be a lot of fun. Um, looking forward to hearing what these kids have to say, and... Uh, what I think is really cool also is that, you know, this is a course where we're lucky enough to have the opportunity to play, you know, during the summertime quite often. Right.
0: Oh, well, we've talked about how much we love this course, right. too. Right. So, yeah, I mean, definitely just one of our, our favorites.
1: Absolutely. Definitely one of our favorite tracks. So, um, and most of these kids uh, can definitely score a little bit better than we can.
0: Yeah, it's, it's, it's interesting standing here on the driving range because when I came out here the other day and uh, University of Arizona was out here. And uh, it was a little intimidating standing on the range hitting some shots because you, were the only, you knew where the bad shots were coming from. You know, they made a distinct noise <coughs> and it was coming from our end of the range. It was a stripe <laughs> show on the other end of the range. So we knew who the good golfers were on that end of the range.
1: Absolutely. So um, just a little bit more uh, information uh, on this event. So uh, Mark listed off all the teams that are here. Um, each team gets to bring five players. And uh, each day they're going to be taking four of the best out of the five scores um three round event friday saturday sunday and uh, they'll also award uh low individuals for the event so uh, we talked to dave this morning dave ingram uh and obviously he's been here for a number of these maui gyms maybe all of them and uh, he says usually the winning score is somewhere around 14 under for an individual over the three rounds and the team combined total over three rounds is going to be something mid 20s under par
0: and that's pretty wild because this isn't an easy course i mean if you hit it long it could definitely make it easier but it's not an easy course by any means no
1: i mean it's desert golf right so you have to get it in play off the tee if you if if you don't i mean you're definitely looking at bogey at best oh yeah and it's uh, there's a couple short holes that
0: entice you to maybe hit a little bit longer club Five, um, for example, you know you can hit driver, but it seems like every time you hit driver there, it's never going to be in a good spot. So you just hit a shorter iron out there, mid iron, get yourself in play. Don't take yourself out of it. I think that's how you're really going to score
1: out here. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, all these guys going to be, you know, conditions are are good. Um, fairways are probably a little soft, so you know they aren't going to get a ton of roll. We've had a lot of rain recently. We have, and so the greens are going to be very receptive. So I mean, these guys are going to be throwing darts in there. Yeah, it's,
0: uh, it's definitely not going to be the typical scores that we're used to seeing when we go out and play. You know, not too far off, I guess, but you know, we can fire up some mid-60s, some high-60s, but if some of these guys are going to be going low-60s, possibly 60, 61, 62. You're going to see a few of those here from that
1: kind of tournament. Absolutely, and these greens are, are bentgrass here, so, um, and I'm sure they'll have them rolling really, really well. And, you know, maybe not crazy fast, maybe 11 feet on the stimp, you know, I mean, that's probably all the faster they can, they can make it this time of the year without risking hurting the greens and, and burning them out. Cause we're forecasted for temperatures up close to hundred, maybe a couple degrees over hundred for, for this weekend. And, uh, if they cut them too low and get them going too fast, they have a risk losing them. So, but they're always going to be smooth. Um, and very true. So I would expect these guys to be making a lot of putts this weekend.
0: Well, and let's talk about that real fast too because I feel like the greens and the grass on the greens has a big difference into what you're going to score because in Arizona here we see a lot of different types of grass where maybe if you grew, grow up in a colder weather state, you may only see one type of grass. Something like a bent grass on the greens, maybe a Kentucky bluegrass or a zoysia in the fairways where the ball sits up really well. Here in Arizona we see a very wide variety of temperatures, so we need grasses that can handle that so the, the those cold weather grasses those you know bent grasses Kentucky bluegrass they don't hold up as well in the heat so you see a lot of Bermuda down here in Arizona this is a unique property because it's a little bit higher up so you can use those little bit cooler weather grasses but that grass plays a big difference on if you're gonna be able to hold putts a lot if you're playing on a Bermuda with a lot of grain and for people that don't know about grain if you're unfamiliar with it grain is just the way the grass lays with a certain type of blade so of a Bermuda thicker blade, there's going to be a lot more grass, there's going to be a lot of grain in that putt. So if you're hitting a putt into the grain, you're going to have to hit that putt a lot harder. If you don't strike it well, it's going to go offline a lot easier. So there's a lot more factors that come into play when you're playing on Bermuda as opposed to playing on a bent grass like this. You just have to take into account a lot more things, make you think a lot more if you're going to want to be able to play golf. And I, I just wanted to discuss those type of changes with the grasses here because I feel like when we've been playing on some of the Bermuda grasses lately definitely have a bit scoring as well.
1: Oh definitely definitely so uh, Bermuda grass um, which some of you may know some may not likes to grow out Correct. sideways away right Right? likes to grow horizontally across the ground which is really good for regeneration because if you make a divot in a week that's probably going to be grow back. because it's going to kind of sew itself back together in a sense. You fill it with sand It's going to grow itself back together, right? So it does the same thing on the greens. Obviously we aren't worried about, you know, only worried about pitch marks on the greens, but just to give you a visual, that grass is growing directionally sideways, right? And grain likes to grow downhill, right? So if you have a putt, that's kind of up and over a slope on the green, your first part of that putt is going to be into the grain, but the second half of that putt is going to be going down grain. So it makes the the speed that much harder to judge. So with bent grass, bent grass likes to grow vertically up and down. Right. So the only thing really affecting the grain might be the way the mower rolled over in the morning. Right. Right. The, dire- the direction the guy was cutting the greens, you know, whatever that may be. So you don't got to factor it in nearly yeah. as much. But when you're putting on the Bermuda grass and that grain's laying sideways, you really got to think about it hard, which makes, you know, holding putts that much more difficult, especially when you're inside of 10 feet. Right. Yeah. Cause you're, you're not going to get away with
0: those kind of ones that you just eke in there where if you're down grain or on bent grass greens, it's going to kind of roll end over end a lot more. If you're going into the grain, you kind of have to give it a little bit more of a little bit of a pop just to get it going. And that brings into a lot more miss hits. Um, poor strikes, just, you know, lines that don't get started on the right line, just a lot more factors that you can miss and things that you can get wrong. So I think it's real important when you're putting on those types of grasses, the Bermudas, anything like that, you have to have a quality strike or else it's just going to go offline. If you're putting down grain, you can get away with that stuff. You can get away with miss hitting it just a little bit. You can get away with it rolling out because the down grain's not getting all that friction that it's getting into the grain.
1: Absolutely, absolutely. So, uh, give you a little bit of information on the golf course these guys will be playing uh, this weekend. So, Mirabelle, Tom Fazio Design. Um, and Fazio's actually, you know, designed quite a few courses in the Valley. So, I'm sure a lot of our listeners have played a Fazio Design before. And before
0: we get too much into the course, too, there's, there's a story that I like to tell about this course that you hear a lot about. And it's, it's actually been redesigned. Um, there was a course underneath it, basically, that was a Greg Norman design and i've heard from many different people this same story so i I I don't know it myself so i'm just going off of what i hear but it was too tough to play and it's funny when you're out there because you could be out on hole like 16t and you look off towards there's a little water feature that's not really in play and there's a ball washer that's just out in the middle of the desert and you're kind of wondering what that's from but that's from the old course that was there that was sitting there and it just didn't get moved it's so far off in the desert they just kind of left it but this course is basically sitting on top of the other course so greg norman initially designed it. it was too hard he didn't want to come back and redesign it so tom fazio actually did the redesign
1: that's a very interesting piece of information you know i actually didn't know that
0: yeah that's, i've heard that three or four times
1: that's pretty awesome yeah. i love it that's a that's a really good plug there. yeah next time
0: it. you're uh, looking at when you're out on hole 16 t look over to the right the, over by the lake over there the lake that you pass from 15 to 16 there's a ball washer just out in the middle of nowhere there's also one on three t you can see out in the middle of nowhere too so
1: the old rooting of the course went through there yeah
0: and it must have just been i mean it seems like it's out i mean obviously we're out in the middle of nowhere right now but it's it seems like when you're out on the course that is out in the
1: middle of nowhere uh, the standard layout for the championship tees here at mirabell is a par 71. all right par 36 on the front nine going out par 35 coming in. Now, when you have high-skilled players uh, playing a golf course, sometimes the tournament committee will alter the course in a way to help protect
0: par. And you see it on tour all the time, right? Where they move the tees different days. You have a multi-day tournament too, so that also factors in where you move the tees around, make it different.
1: Right, exactly, exactly. So what they've done here okay is the sixth or excuse me the seventh uh the seventh hole is a par 5 here at Mirabelle from the championship tees it plays 558 so for a lot of people 558 seems like a long hole but for these guys that's easily reachable in 2 unless the wind happens to be going in their face right yeah, then that might change things turns into a fairly short par 5 for them right exactly so what they're going to do for at least one day is they're going to move the tees up one box to 526 yards and make it play as a long par four and we actually got to do that the
0: other day and it did play pretty tough so that's going to be a really good par four for
1: him yeah absolutely and what it does also is it kind of narrows the landing area so it makes driver even that much harder to hit because that's a good point when you're playing the back tees and it's 558 your landing area you know you're playing the golf course kind of how it's designed so that landing area is a little bit more generous well now you move these tees up and that landing area kind of actually gets narrowed making it a little bit the drive you know the tee shot that much harder and obviously these guys still going to be hitting driver most likely because they're planning on hitting the screen in two if it's a par four right yeah you you have to get there in two right exactly there's there's no laying up on a par four here that's for sure yeah i hope not right unless they're forced to if they hit in the desert or something right so then another hole that they actually change which is a lot of fun is the 11th hole uh par three From the back tees, how it normally plays standard is about 180 yards to the center of the green, right? And this is, it's a good par three because it's kind of a narrow green, okay? Just trying to paint the picture here. On the left side of the green, you got two bunkers. And on the right side of the green, you have a severe drop off about five yards right of the edge of the green down into rocky desert. Right. Yeah, it is not a, you do not want to miss a right. Right. So... When they move that tee up and make number 7 play as a par 4, what they're going to do is they're going to move the tee on 11, the par 3, to actually the back tee box of number 18. So 18 T actually, the back tee box has a view of, of, of 11 green. So they're going to move the tee for 11 back to that box, and it's going to make it play around about 205, to 210 to the center of that green and it's usually playing slightly into
0: the breeze a little bit too right that's usually maybe a little bit right to left so that becomes a pretty tough hole because the green is really narrow and they can do that because 18 how long is 18 from the back tee Uh, par 4? 18 from the back tee is listed as 474 so it's not a short hole Um, it's definitely gonna be shorter than number six with it being played up as a par 4 but moving that tee up necessarily isn't too penalizing because that is a really long hole and a, and a challenging hole to begin with anyway so if you move that up make that a little bit i don't want to necessarily say easier because it's only going to be maybe two clubs shorter coming in um but it makes it a little bit more challenging on that part three and a little bit a little bit better view it's a really cool tee box from back there
1: yeah it's a really cool view so when they put the tee box for 11 move it over to 18 back tee then they'll move as mark was saying they'll move uh, eighteen t up for the par four, uh, which will make it play around four forty. So it's not like it's making it play that much easier.
0: No, it's it's still going to be fairly long for them. It's not fairly long for them. It would be longer for us or most average golfers. But that's going
1: to be actually playing
0: more like driver, nine iron, driver, pitching wedge for most of these
1: guys. Right, exactly. So if you had to guess, how far you know on average are these guys hitting it off the tee? Mm your average one not the longest not the shortest right in the middle what do you think carry probably right
0: about 300 310
1: i'd say that's a pretty good estimate yeah Yeah,
0: and then you're probably getting about probably 10 yards of roll out here today so the average drive i would say is probably going about 310 320 right so then that's the average drive folks so there's there's guys who are going to hit it shorter than that there's guys who are going to hit it longer than that so uh, probably some of the ones that you see going closer to the 20 under number or something like that are going to be a little bit longer chris Anders is currently, currently on assignment <laughs> yeah. and now san diego state aztecs men's golf coach ryan donovan yeah we can't thank you enough for coming on man that's awesome no, that's, I this it. Is no worries
2: so i always that's tell kyle when week. i when <laughs> i played
0: in high school and college my coach would just drop us off and he'd be like all right guys have fun and he'd go play another course somewhere close so. right, right. <laughs> so you're doing a lot more than he ever did <laughs> yeah
2: sometimes that's <I> better
0: <laughs> go ahead kyle
1: all right so kind of what we you know uh, obviously, thank you for uh, taking time out of your day, Ryan, to uh, to have a quick interview. So I kind of, you know, just kind of want to pick your brain a little bit about what it's like to coach at, at a high level, um, what the players kind of go through, how they prepare, how much time they invest in, in the game, um, and what you do to prepare them, uh, you know, for for events. Um, obviously, you are an excellent junior golfer yourself. Um as far as your dad tells me, <laughs> <laughs> and uh, then also, if you don't mind, we'd love to, uh, you know, talk to you a little about uh, Xander and, you know, what it was like to, you know, coach now a current rider cover.
2: Yeah, no worries. Appreciate appreciate it, guys. Um, you know, I think the biggest thing, uh, you know, coaching at this level is, is recruiting. I mean, you got to get those players that are self-motivated that that want to, you know, be on the tour, at least have that as their goal when they get started. That obviously changes throughout college. You know, they fall in love or, you know, maybe want to get a job or whatnot. But uh, if you get those self-motivated kids, I think that's been our success um, in terms of, of the recruiting side of things. And we get guys a little bit under the radar. Um, we're, we're a top 25 program, but maybe on paper they we get overlooked a little bit. So um, we kind of get guys that roll up their sleeves a little bit. Put in a lot of work and, and play with an edge, and that's kind of been the, the sort of our success.
1: That's awesome. How many years have you been coaching uh, for San Diego State now?
2: Eighteen. Mm-hmm. Wow. <laughs> yes.
1: I didn't know. I didn't realize it was that many.
2: Right. Right. Yeah. yeah time impressive. flies. Uh, you know, as you guys know, when you love what you do, it's just uh, you just keep keep doing it. Sure. What was the program like when you when you took the job? Was it a success, uh, uh, successful? It, it was solid. Yeah. The the platform was there definitely. Um, I played at San Diego State. I was I was average in college. But uh, but we had some good years for sure. Um, played with Scott Piercy, um, who's on the tour now, Very nice. and so he kind of set the tone a little bit. And uh, obviously JJ Spawn played for me, who just just kept his card, which is great. And um, and Xander, you know, watching his success has been um, just a, just a pleasure.
1: That's awesome. So, what
2: was the recruiting process like for Xander? Where you know, where'd you find him? How'd you get to know him? Well, I'll tell you guys a funny story. So we recruited him pretty hard, you know. He's from San Diego, and um, I offered him only fifty percent, and I lost him to Long Beach State. They gave him a full ride. Um, they were a lot smarter than I was, and. Um, he went there for a year, and then his coach Ryan Ressa um, went to work for TaylorMade, and there was no coach there for a while. And so he, you know, his dad was his instructor, and his team was down in San Diego, so it was just a good fit to come back. So, so we had him for three years. Um, luckily, I was able to step up on the uh, dollar amount <laughs> to get him to come and um he was a joy to joy to coach i i really just stayed out of the way to be honest his his dad was very involved and they they had a good team and i was more of a support system and and um he he was one of the hardest workers i've had and and that shows um shows with the success now
0: is there something that you can point to or see that like looking back on that like like, oh that's when i knew he was going to make it to that level or is there something that like someone like he has or something that that he has, other than like other players don't, that stands out, or do you kind of just, it just sometimes it's just random.
2: You know, he just had that that killer mentality. He just wanted to win every time he teed it up. Um, he had all the shots. He wasn't afraid to try shots, especially in college. And um, honestly, I think the biggest thing that was holding him back was his putting. You know, is a little streaky at times, um, but he, he has a great golf coach, uh, Derek Uetta out of the Grand Del Mar, and uh, once they started working together, that that really just took him over the over the top.
0: That's interesting, yeah, because we've we've never had anything obviously near that level, but we could see with some of the juniors that we have. Obviously, some are better than others, but with, with a few of them, it's like, wow, this kid is going to be really good. You know, you can really tell that they're going to. They have something special, and I just didn't know if maybe. You know, some something stood out that maybe one person had that others don't. You just kind of notice it right away, or if maybe just hard work, putting in the time, and if you're just willing to do it, then almost anybody could do it if you have the talent to and put it in. You know, grind it out basically.
2: Yeah, that's really was his mentality and and the mental side of things. Um, You know, you can't be afraid to. To mess up you know i think a lot of people try to be so perfect nowadays and and don't want to hit a bad shot or see the water and things of that nature and, and he just had that mentality like i'm gonna hit it and see where it goes and, and go from there so i think that's good for for the younger juniors to kind of learn to to play fearless yeah especially
0: when they have that skill because they all pretty much have it where they're just swinging away and then it's 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 almost just the the bad shots that creep into the mind that kind of take away from that free ability swing right that just the free swing and ability they have both bad memories and that just creeps in and then you just kind of lose that free swing
2: yeah definitely no it's, it's spot on and it's funny the last semester that that he was here he had he took all night classes I was like, oh, that's kind of a grind, you know, 7 to 9.40 Monday through Thursday. But he, we'd go to workouts, and he'd go practice on his own where, wherever he wanted to go, and then he'd meet us at 1 o'clock for, for team practice and never even told us about it till till the end of the year, honestly. That's so, impressive. Um, he was just that kind of guy and, and very focused, and, um, you know, I think that's what you have to do.
0: Yeah, making, taking advantage of every minute, literally every minute of the day. <laughs> right. That's impressive. Yeah. Sir. Yeah. a PGA Tour major, do you think rate higher than an Olympic win? Right. I, that's such that's a good
2: question. And, you know, going into it, I mean, the week before, he wasn't even going to go because um, travel restrictions and things of that nature. And he said it was, it was just a very rewarding win. And his dad was there, which was special because he was trying to be an Olympian um, at, cool. at one point. And um, so to share that bond as well with, with his dad, I think, um, just had a lot of value that, that they'll always remember. Awesome. That's really cool.
1: So, as far as your coaching goes now, with uh, the group of kids that you have, um, and we got a prime view of them right here. They're about <laughs> twenty feet away from us here on the deck here, right on the range. Just and put on a stripe show for they're grinding. us. Grinding. Um, how much? How many hours a week do they put into uh, the game? Between workouts, meetings, playing, practicing.
2: Yeah. So, w- with NCAA rules, technically, we only are allowed twenty hours with them, which which is very minimum. And if that's all you do, you're you won't be on this range right now. Right. Um, so. Luckily, like I said, you, you motivated guys that, that want to get good and play well together as a team, and they push each other, they practice together, um, they, they do a lot more. But we do workouts uh, two days a week at 6 a.m., and then we do yoga on Fridays, uh, which they've totally embraced and has been really good for their body and, and kind of let them cool down for the weekends. And then uh, we're big on playing. You know, you got to play. All this range stuff is, is warm up, and uh, you got to learn to compete and get on the golf course and see bunkers and lakes and. and and wind and all those different variables um, to learn how to score. That's really what it comes down to. So we put them under the gun all the time and we compete. We're going to compete today even it's the practice round and just try to make them as uncomfortable as possible at all times.
1: So do you do anything special? Uh, You talk about making them uncomfortable out there. Do you put them in different scenarios? Do you just let them play their ball What do
2: you What do you do to make that happen? Yeah, we'll put them in different scenarios. You know, we'll talk a lot, a lot of of, um, talking back and forth to each other, kind of calling each other out and uh, putting them under pressure at some point. Um, And, uh, yeah, like I said, just not making them feel good. Stand right next to them, talk to them while they're swinging, things of that nature, just to be a little bit different. Pretty much the opposite of what everyday golfers are going to do out on the golf course. exactly I like People, that a lot yeah so it seems to work uh, most of the time yeah <laughs> that's good and that's I think uh,
0: going to that next level that's what you always hear about when we're trying to take the next step is trying to make it get out of the comfort zone you always hear that try to get out of your comfort zone don't be comfortable because when you get in that moment you will not be comfortable
2: at all so get prepared for it right definitely it was so interesting to listen to Patrick Canley this past couple weeks it's just been phenomenal to watch um, but being able to get kind of in that trance of just like not even knowing what's going on not hearing the Crowds, not seeing anything in the leaderboards and whatnot um, it's hard to do but he's he's been able to do that and uh, I think a lot of the goals of these kids would, would be the same and it was funny he said uh, the reason Tiger was so different that he was able to get in that trance but then he was an entertainer at the same time so he would be that focused, and then all of a sudden the fist pump would come out of the blue and then be able to get back in that trance so that's what's so special about Tiger
0: yeah that's awesome that's it's just a t- like you said it's a, it's one thing to be able to get into that zone but then to be able to be in that zone and be present enough to be able to show that emotion when you earned it that's a that's a whole nother level yes
1: so how hard
2: is that to coach it's hard especially at this level there's so many distractions so much going on um but i think you have to talk about it and got to be aware of it and try to understand it um so you know we're, we're the developmental tour for for the pga tour is the way i look at it so we need to kind of experience uh, experiment on things like that and, and try to get them in the, in those places so that we better themselves you know for, for their future so as far as the guys that are on
1: your team right now, do you see any one of them? I mean, obviously you have hopes and aspirations for them to take it to the next level, but is there anyone in particular that they might hear you know, this podcast at one point, but that you feel is going to take it <laughs> to the next level?
2: I mean, they all have the potential. I think it's just a matter of taking them to that next level. I mean, on paper, um, we got a kid from Thailand, Poo, who's ranked about 20th in the world and um won three times last year and you know he's, he's got a very very good shot but um yeah time will tell you know uh, hopefully uh hopefully a couple of them will, will have that opportunity awesome well yeah we wish you a lot a lot of
0: good luck out here this week and I'm sure the guys will do well um it's just a great venue to be out here we're glad you could come enjoy it and bring the guys out and thanks for taking the time to come and sit with us here That's a, we really appreciate
1: it yeah, yeah thank th- you Ryan thanks guys yeah, really that was, that was well. awesome yeah awesome thank you man that was uh some spectacular inside information. Um, what a wonderful opportunity to have that. I mean, a guy who's played collegiate golf himself, he's coached one of, I mean, unarguably one of the best players I mean, at in the this world. moment, you can say he's top 12, top 10 in at least the United States, right? Right, I mean, Stricker feels like he's good enough to play on the Ryder Cup team, you know, later this month. So, and he won an Olympic gold medal. And not too many people get to say that, that you've won an Olympic
0: gold medal, and that you're just one of the top, obviously, in the world.
1: Right. I, You know, I. what I thought was interesting is, and I think a lot of people, amateur golfers, right, speaking to a lot of people here, spend too much time grinding it out on the range rather than getting on the golf course and putting themselves in, in scenarios. And they, they practice all this time on the range and then they go out and get into a game, a competitive game, whether it's for $5, $20, 100 bucks. And then they get way ner- too uncomfortable. Get uncomfortable because yeah. their practice time isn't spent on, on the golf course. And let's
0: back that up real fast too, because not only are they, there's their practice time it's just spent in the wrong place but it's also spent literally in the wrong place they're spending time on the range they're not spending time on the practice screen they're not spending time chipping and pitching where if they're going to be spending all that time in the practice area I would rather see them doing it in that short game area rather than on the driving range now take the next step they're spending all that time on the driving range or the practice whatever whatever you're doing needs to be more time on the course and playing
1: right because no matter how skilled you are The best player in the world or a 20 handicap right the best player in the world is going to go out there and he's going to hit bad golf shots over the course of 18 holes it's not going to be as many bad ones as your average golfer but he's still going to hit bad golf shots and what makes a good golfer is not your ability to hit a ton of great shots it's your ability to recover after a poor shot right and i think going even further on that it's
0: being able to be comfortable with that uncomfortableness Right. so uh, for like when you for example we were playing the other mountain outlaw the other day and i was 500 through six holes i had I it going absolutely i had it, a, I was on a rope pretty well but, but the, started, i had started birdie eagle but i haven't i haven't really been there too often right no, i see. mean i've been under par very well but you don't you i was not in that position and i have not practiced being in that position so it's hard to keep yourself
1: in that position it's it's very difficult you start to get uncomfortable because you haven't been there before i mean everyone a lot of people can relate to this point where you have kind of a, a low round going right and you're getting to 15 16 right and you're like man i could shoot my best score of my life right whatever the number is whatever, whatever number it doesn't, doesn't matter to you, just your best exactly round. and you, you're like wow that thought starts creeping into your head i could i could really post a good number here and then you go and make a double because you just took yourself out of the moment right. started thinking about the score started thinking
0: about anything else except for what you were supposed to be thinking about which was the next shot in front of you
1: exactly exactly so I mean, it, it's happened to myself. I mean, it happened to me, what, last year I was I was six hundred through 8 holes, and I started thinking 29. Yep.
0: Yeah, you know, so And, and
1: that's, that's pretty much what I did too, and I, I actually started thinking
0: 30 because that's pretty much what's was my next one, cause 500 through 6, so then 30 would be the next one, so then if I got to, then I would probably be thinking 29, but I was just trying to keep the next one instead of just thinking about the next shot. I'm, I'm going by score rather than going by shot.
1: Right, so I get up, I'm 600 through eight holes, and I get up in a, at my home golf course, right, and I get up on the ninth tee and I snap hook one left out of bounds. And I think that made, might actually be the only time I've actually gotten one over the fence ever playing that hole. I've hit it the left desert every now and then, but got it over the fence, and that's just because I was uncomfortable when I was thinking about it. So, sure. I, I, rewinding back to what we were talking about, um... He likes to put his players, you know, on the golf course. And he said, you know, they're going to go out there and gonna, they're going to grind today. Even though it's a practice round, they're not going to take a casual. No,
0: and this one, it, it, I think a, a good player is going to make today the hardest day of the
1: week. Right. He's going to make himself grind, focus like every shot counts like it's the actual tournament round yeah because if you make this harder than the tournament round when you get to the tournament round it's
0: actually easy right you're not actually just preparing for that i think that's even what a lot of good players do and they prepare for the wrong thing they're preparing for the tournament they're not you know they're, they're preparing for the tournament to be the hardest thing of their journey they're not preparing for the grind and the process the preparation to be the hardest part of the journey
1: right that's just what's getting you there right and you know It just goes to the point that the more often you put yourself in that pressure pack scenario the the more you'll get comfortable being in that zone right and i think that's a lot of you'd hear new football players that it just the speed of the
0: game moves really fast right everything moves really fast and i think anybody can kind of relate to this in whatever profession or anything that they do that when you're new to something it moves really fast but when you're more comfortable with it and you've been around it more everything starts to slow down more it just seems to be slow, literally slower, physically slower, everything moves slower and I think when you're in that competition setting, even in golf, everything starts to speed up for you you're starting to play good, everything starts to happen so fast, it's moving so fast through your head so what you need to do is practice on slowing it down. But if you don't practice putting yourself in those situations, you're never gonna have practice on slowing it down. It's not gonna be second nature to just slow down. You're gonna speed up and make it
1: worse. Right, like if you wanna be a better tournament golfer, whether that's tournament at your home club, right? Men's club championship, whatever Whenever it club is. club You need to start playing as much tournament golf as you can right even if you don't feel like you're ready put yourself in that it doesn't matter just you got to start somewhere and you got to start playing tournament golf right even if you're just trying to shoot a certain number even if it's for 18
0: 36 holes it doesn't matter whatever you're trying to do if you're trying to pass a certain thing
1: you need to play more golf absolutely get get on the golf course play as many holes as you can you know i know a lot of people you know work obviously right i mean and they times limited but you know, if you can get out and play nine after work, go do that rather than hit a bucket of range balls. Right. You know, hit maybe a couple to loosen up on the range, but then get on the golf course. Play four holes instead of hitting a bucket of range balls. Right. Yeah,
0: totally agree with that. Absolutely. Play uh, do a lot of golf courses. Now I'll do three, six, nine-hole loops, whatever, to make it easier for time-sensitive issues, whatever it is. But you do not want to be stuck on the driving range all the time, hitting your driver as far as you can.
1: Right, exactly, exactly. And I mean, you know, every lie in the range is perfect I mean you grab a ball from the bucket or or from the pyramid and you and you rake it over and you give yourself
0: a good lie right right how, what percentage when you play how, how many what's the percentage of good lies that you have that are flat and and perfect right 15 N- 20 maybe yeah. if that I mean you gotta <clears throat> you get four on the tee boxes for each part three I mean every other flat,
1: yeah so, I mean, but other than that you're really not right
0: you're, you're not gonna, getting
1: many even lies no you're going to be hitting out of the rough the ball could be sitting up in the rough could be sitting down the ball's going to be above your feet, below your feet, uphill lie, downhill lie, combination of two of those. Now, unless you're a facility
0: like Mirabel that, as we've mentioned before, has the uneven lies range, you're not going to get to practice that
1: on the driving range. Right, exactly. And I mean, and, you know, we talked about, you know, what makes a good golfer and what makes, you know, the ability to have a good round and that's the ability to recover after a poor shot. You're going to have a poor shot. So that's why, you know, Mark mentioned you know, go to the chipping area, put that ball, have that ball sit down in the rough and figure out how to get up and down from there. Don't always hit the easy shot. Don't
0: practice the easy shot, practice the hard ones, get comfortable with them. As much as you think you're going to go out and
1: hit 16 of 18 greens in your next round, you're just not, it's not going to happen. So, you know, if you hit eight greens, you know, for an average golfer, you know, eight or nine greens out of 18 is going to be probably an okay day. And for sure. So that means if you want to start saving shots, getting up and down, you know, four out of nine times, five out of nine times on those other greens that you're missing, that's what's going to bring that number down really quickly. Not being able to make your driver 10 yards further, that's not going to bring that number
0: down. No, that's only going to, all that's going to do is instead of hitting a six iron and a green, now you have a seven iron. Exactly, exactly. So I mean, how much closer are you going to hit that seven iron
1: than the six? I mean, they're about the same exact club. Right. Exactly. I mean, you're going to hit some good shots over the course of the round. Maybe, honestly, if you you know you walk yourself back through through a good round, maybe two or three shots you can point over that. I hit that exactly where I wanted to, but the majority of the time it's not going to go there. So you got to figure out, okay, I hit the green, but now I got a two putt from 30 feet. Right. And you get a three putt. There's an extra stroke you just threw out the window. When I was just talking to you about this the other day. tiger woods was talking about in
0: one of his my game episodes that over the course of a four-round tournament he may hit two really good shots i mean that's if if you're shooting even par 280 it's 280 strokes whether so let's just say half of those are shots so 140 shots you're hitting and two of them are great i mean that's less than two percent I mean it's not it's not great percentages for great shots right so it's all uh, now his miss might be better than most of our great shots even so his standards are obviously different but if we're going by those same numbers we don't stand a chance
1: no definitely not so you know the, the moral of the story again you know get get yourself on the golf course you know play as much competitive golf as you can And uh, we promise that you'll find the more competitive golf you play, the more comfortable you'll get. Now that's not saying your nerves are going to go away. If your nerves aren't there, it means you just don't care, right? I mean, both you and myself, we play a lot of competitive golf, especially over the summertime and Southwest PGA section events, you know, playing against other club professionals. And, you know, you probably played in both of us probably played in close to a dozen events this summer. And every time we step out on that first tee box, you know, the, the nerves are the same, but, where we get more comfortable is through the course of the round. You know, you get the nerves off that first tee and then you start to get yourself in that zone. Well, and just to back up a little bit too, I think you, for a second standing on that first tee, you feel
0: nervous. But once you realize that you've put in the preparation, you put in the practice and you're ready, those
1: nerves go away. But if you haven't put that in, you're probably going to stay nervous. Yeah, definitely. So, you know, you get yourself out on the golf course and you really got to keep your mind in the present shot by shot I mean Ryan you know mentioned that uh, with Patrick Cantlay you know how he can actually get out on the golf course in a PGA Tour event with scoreboards everywhere fans everywhere and he can get to the point where he doesn't notice any of that isn't that un- I mean, that's unimaginable to me. Uh, It's amazing and I, what I think
0: I liked a lot of it with I, don't know, I shouldn't say I like anything with COVID stuff but I think what I like hearing from a lot of that stuff was how much they noticed the fans being gone Right. I think that made it tougher for them than anything because they were so used to having all that stuff there to where they didn't notice it. Now, when it's not there, it's almost eerie. Right. Exactly. Almost too quiet for Right. It's like when you walk in, if you're used to something, you know, hustling and bustling and you walk in and it's really quiet and really dead, something's wrong. Right. right? Exactly. And that's probably how you feel when you're out on tour like that. You normally got a bunch of drunk people yelling at you, making a bunch of noise. Now, all of a sudden, it's dead quiet.
1: Right. And it's just this different feeling. And you start to... (laughs) you know, hear things you're not used to hearing you know and, and you're playing golf like we play it your sight lines different cuz your fairway's not lined with fans it's now you just got the trees in, yeah, you know, it's and the OB like, stadium it's the face. totally
0: it's totally different but then now they're we're getting back more to their normal type of golf and what they're more prepared for because these guys are more used to that they 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 want that around and it just makes it easier for them to like what we're saying it just makes them more comfortable right you're trying to make everything the same trying to make it all similar to where you're never feeling out of your comfort zone
1: right and that was definitely a funny story that uh he initially offered xander only a half scholarship
0: right and that's see that's that's kind of why i asked him about that too because i don't it's uh, at that moment i don't think there's really much obviously with tiger or something there's going to be something that stands out but I don't think that time there's really anything that makes anybody better than anybody else it's whoever is willing to put in the extra work like you said he took night classes so he could pretty much grind it out all day long right now you could probably work it around to where you're taking classes in the morning and then working out at night or whatever but he fully maximized his time to where he can be outside on the golf course working out doing whatever fully dedicated to golf to where then that time came where it was quiet time that's when he's po- focusing on school so i mean talk about having your priorities straight i mean absolutely dedicated to the game also to his I mean, he went to class. Passes, he passes. Classes, he's got to. He get did college, right? He wasn't just. He wasn't just focused on golf. He
1: he did well in school. Right, too. But you even heard him like he said that you know they work out at six a.m. So right. he's he's up at at five o'clock, maybe five thirty, getting to the gym for his six a.m. workouts, then going and practicing, you know, and spending majority of the day practicing, and then probably getting some schoolwork done when he can, and then going to class from seven to 9.40 or whatever it was. You know, you know, four days a week. Yeah, I mean, if I worked out
0: at 6 a.m., I'd probably not be doing the show right now because I'd probably be <laughs> begin taking taken off in a stretcher because I'd be pulling some muscles. It'd be, it'd be nap time yeah, it's it's you won't you won't find me working out at 6
1: a.m. and that's why you're not finding me on the PGA tour as well. Right. Yeah. It's a, it definitely takes. And he said, you know, that's that's why he's such a you know he's had so much success. It's not necessarily anything but his mind and his drive. And he always wanted every time he stepped up on the tee, no matter what event it was, where he was playing, when he was playing, what he was playing for, he wanted to go out and, you know, fight the best round possible. And that's hard to do in this game. It's not like here where
0: in some other sports, you know, maybe you can just sheer will yourself if you're strong or whatever. There's always in this
1: game someone that's going to be better than you. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, you're playing with that guy. And and if, you know, you're going on the golf course and he's beating you by three or four, I tell you what, it does not make you very happy. All you want to do is try... Try to catch up, and the harder you try, the worse it gets. Exactly. exactly. So,
0: and so, so, so that's why it's it's really impressive to hear about some of these stories who make it, just because they they put in so much more than usually anybody's ever even willing to think about putting
1: in. Right. Tell you what, it's gonna be fun to watch that Ryder Cup and see Xander and and see how uh, USA does. But uh, I can't wait to get out here this weekend and watch some of these guys play too. Absolutely. Absolutely. It's gonna be
0: so, uh, it a it's a stripe show on the range right now uh ryan's guys from san diego state are just wrapping up there getting ready to go start their tea time here uh, for the practice round here at the maui jam intercollegiate so we're gonna go see if we can watch some of them and see what else is going on and uh we'll get back and check it out later absolutely great guest segment
1: wow that was some great content that we had uh in episode two very very pleased with how that went um ryan had some really good things to say yeah that was we're uh was really good to sit down and talk to him right and i think i mentioned i know this was a few days ago now. Um, when we were out there, but I mentioned that I thought the team score for under par was going to be somewhere in the mid-20s. Right, right. I think that's what uh, head professional Dave Ingram had mentioned. Right. He thought it would be somewhere in the mid-20s. So they turned this par 71, as we talked about while we are out there, into a par 70 because they turned a 560-yard par 5 into a 520-yard par 4. Right. Which most of you, if you don't realize, most of the par 5s you play are 520 yards at the longest. Right. So they turned this... this medium short length par 5 into a long par 4 for these guys and well just goes to show that uh, I was wrong and the winning score uh, was Georgia Tech their team score so they took the best 4 out of 5 each day and over let's see over 3 rounds they shot a combined total of 44 under par and that's just absolutely ridiculous on day 2 they averaged 65
0: and a half so four and a half shots under par per player with par being 70 right
1: yeah, so it's the 65 is pretty impressive I mean, right so on 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 day three they limped it in with a combined total of 10 under to win uh, I, I wish I could ever <laughs> yeah. make that claim that I limped it in 10 under right so yeah as a team combined they limped it in at 10 under to win by one shot over Clemson at 43 under and then, sounds funny saying way back in third place was Auburn at thirty-one under. But wow. I mean, that's that's 12, a big gap. It's twelve shots between third and second.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's it's really not if you think about it because over three days, four golfers per day. Right. That's basically one shot per golfer per day. Right. So, right. It just sounds like a lot. Right. It sounds like a lot when you add them up over the course of three days.
1: Right. And so, if we go on the individual, and we thought the individual would be, I don't know, maybe. Eight under, nine under, ten under, somewhere yeah. around in there. It ended up being seventeen under over three rounds. And that's just wild, right?
0: Because we both played this golf I course. Mean, this and is a PGA Tour quality course. It is. I mean these these guys are not going out there and playing a pitch and putt. It's desert golf, so if you blast one wide, yeah, and, and a lot of there's a lot of those areas out there. Right. Good luck making bogey. I, yeah, you're, if if you can find it, good luck making bogey. If not, you're going to probably make double. Right, exactly. So if they, they make one of those, they're going to have to make three birdies, two birdies just to get it back.
1: Right. So the low individual was from Auburn, 17 under par. Uh, J.M. Butler, so I guess keep that guy on your radar going forward. Um, uh, second place was, he. so he won by a shot, 16 under par was second. Um, that came from Georgia Tech. And uh, third place was 15 under par uh, from Washington. And, oh, Arizona State. There you go. Arizona State in, uh, in uh, T3, also at 15 under par. Yeah, so
0: well, congratulations to all those guys, too. I mean, just to go play in that tournament is, right. is really special. I mean, we were talking to some of the guys from Augusta, and we were just talking about this a minute ago, but just referring to the club as the national is uh, pretty special. So these kids all have a lot of privileges that a lot of people don't play when you get to refer to augusta national as the national right so So
1: we learned well we were out there obviously it was it was an honor to be able to talk to or just a privilege to be able to talk to these kids that are at playing at such a high level for Mm -hmm. golf i mean we watch you know it's unfortunate in my opinion that collegiate golf isn't shown on tv that often
0: and they're getting better at it they do show a lot of a little Golf bit more Channel.
1: but you know not you know not as much as probably that i well, like you know, this, this, this would I'd have like been a see.
0: great one to show on tv i mean there's how many top 20 schools i mean georgia tech is ranked top they're actually ranked eighth in
1: the nation i just saw that today right um so i mean there there's good schools out there right and i mean a lot of these guys go straight from college to the pga you know they skip the corn ferry because right. they're that good and it's unfortunate that we don't get to see these up-and-comers as much on tv as you know, that I, you know, in my opinion, that I would like to. Right. And I guess that's probably us being a little bit more golf nerds
0: too, right? Because <laughs> they don't show minor league baseball really on air. <laughs> that's true. I mean, they yeah. do, but it's more in the small market, right? True. So I, I guess it's more what we're looking for um as, as just people who love golf. But I, I would agree with you too. It would be nice to be able to see that more often in the venues that we get to play more often. I mean, they show, you know, the Nationals was at Greyhawk. I mean, a lot of people go out and play Greyhawk if they get the chance, but... um, just to be able to see it on places that we're going out to all the
1: time. That's really, that's cool. It is. It is. It's, I mean, it was fantastic being out there. Um, we're on the range and watching these kids warm up for their practice round. Right. And we're, you know, seeing the teams come in and the teams go out as a single tee time. They play in a fivesome and they go out and, and play the golf course with their coach and get a feel for the course. And we're watching them warm up in the range and Georgia tech comes in. And there's this guy and guy I say, he was definitely tall. young man. Young man. Yeah, he looked probably older than us, but right. he wasn't. Uh, I would say fair estimate, probably six four, lean, maybe two thirty, very 220, fit, two twenty. All of these kids fit, by the way. But he was teeing this ball half an inch to an inch off the ground with his driver and absolutely ripping it. Yeah, hitting huge. I mean, nice high balls,
0: huge balls that were carrying three forty. 350 right i mean and we're not exaggerating
1: on that number 340 350 this high off the ground right just absolutely ripping these shots and so that we talked to david ingram the the director of golf at Mirabelle, and he's out on that the par four that we mentioned the par five turned into a par four 520 and he's you know down the hole away he's kind of spotting a little bit paying attention and he hears this ball land and he's like what the heck because he thought he was way out of range right So in this 520-yard par-4, the kid from Georgia Tech bombs one down there over 370 yards and has a a gap wedge into this 520-yard par-4. And he may hit his gap wedge long, but that is
0: absolutely ridiculously
1: long I mean, long still, off the I mean, a gap wedge's probably not hitting more than 140. Oh, that's what I'm saying.
0: It's ridiculously long off the right. tee. It's, you're standing down there in a spot where you think you're safe, and all of a sudden, you're getting a missile dropped in on you. you right. Know? So and he yeah, probably can't even see you where he's at. Right.
1: So I mean, yeah. I mean, 370. So yeah. How do people? <laughs> how do you see a golf ball fall down that far? Away? <laughs> right. It's uh, it's unbelievable the talent that's out there. <clears throat> I mean, it's 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 super humbling as a golf professional and someone that plays every day and works hard in their game to myself go out to Mirabelle and I'm going to have a good day and I'm going to shoot, you know, a couple under, it would be a great day at Mirabelle cause it's a difficult golf course, yeah. you know, and to see these guys go out and his rounds, let's see the winner, uh, Auburn went 66, 64, 63. That's ridiculous. Got better every day. Yeah, it got better every day, and he started
0: with the 66. Right. and So then, it's not like he shot even the first right, day. Right, and then shot seven under in the final round. And it wasn't like the wind didn't pick up at all. We were out on that practice round you heard in the podcast. The wind was picking up a little bit, so it's not like it was just a benign day with really easy conditions. I mean, it right.
1: was playing pretty tough. Right, absolutely. So a lot of talents. Um, it's great for the game of golf. I mean, it's just going to make it more and more competitive at the top level, which is fantastic for everybody. No. Yeah. Everybody wins in that situation because then everybody coming in
0: from lower just gets better too. Exactly. So everybody just keeps improving and everybody keeps working harder. That's one of the things I took away um, from talking about just with the kids work ethic with Ryan, Uh, you know, just the the ones that make it, they may not have anything else that anybody else doesn't have skill wise, but they're willing to put the extra time in and the extra effort to make that pay off, to utilize that skill, and not just let
1: it go by the wayside, right? It's impressive. It's impressive how hard they work, um, and the time that they put in, and the dedication that they have to their craft.
0: Yeah, they're they're
1: they're talented, but they've also earned it, right? They Ex- worked hard to exactly. Get it. I mean, they're right on the edge of the next level, right? They don't know what's going to happen. They might as well at this point, you know, and they've done it for their whole junior career, everything. Just put one hundred and ten percent effort in, not maybe one hundred and twenty percent, you know, just everything that they can. To be the best golfer that they can. Every single day,
0: every time that they go out there, and what's impressive too is that they went right from there. Most of them went straight to another tournament. Right. I mean, uh, Georgia Tech got a private jet, and I think I don't know what tournament they went to, but the two days later, I think they were playing in another tournament. So right. the Maui Jim wrapped up on Sunday. They're playing on Tuesday. Right. And they got to keep up with school at the same time. School's going on. They're not just professional golfers or we just sit around and get to talk about golf all day. They gotta to go to school.
1: Right, right. So I mean that's kind of where I went with my where I wanted to go with my point of you see the basketball players, you see the football players on T V, you know, everybody's watching college football on Saturday. Once basketball season rolls around, I mean you're watching those invitational tournaments at the beginning of the year, then you're watching conference championships, then you're watching These are those guys in golf. Right, exactly. And that you know, it's unfortunate that we don't see it as much on tv like the ncaa turn basketball tournament comes on and everyone's glued to their tv for three weeks yeah that's yeah it's it's the whole nation's captivated
0: right well and that's why you got to rely on the valley golf guys to bring in this exclusive content out of these tournaments because not everybody's willing to go out there like the valley golf guys are so you get the exclusive interviews with coaches and get to hear stuff that you won't hear on normal media outlets. Right, we're kind of spoiled that we get to do this. Yeah, so but we want to bring it to you as well. We don't want to hoard it ourselves. We want to pass on that information so you get
1: to hear it as well. Right. So I think one of the coolest things, also, just to as an end note here, is that when obviously you know these teams have have tournaments and this was Georgia State's or yeah, Georgia, Ge- State. Georgia State's tournament. That's where Dave went to school. Right, David Ingram, the, the director of golf at Mirabelle, he went to college there, so Georgia State holds their invitational tournament at Mirabelle. Well, Augusta State holds their invitational at Augusta Gotta National, National. The Na- we- sorry, the National, the National—that's what they call it. The National. The National. They just kind of casually refer to it as the National. <laughs> the National. <laughs> right. So everyone's bucket list. Yeah, I'm
0: on. I, I told the kid, you know, that's. I. You get to play something every year that's on my bucket list, list right? And he just really didn't even right. think anything of it, right? Just, oh, all right,
1: mate. I think a lot of golfers would give their right arm and play Augusta National with one with one arm yeah you know yeah, just to be in the ground just, yeah. just to be
0: out there well and that's where we're also we it, we're spoiled as PGA professionals is where well because we could just show up on the grounds at the Masters and go walk in right exactly so that's and that's something that we'll need to take advantage of too so it's an easy bucket list item that can be checked off right from someone like us I was
1: just surprised that they said that they could hold their tournament a week before the Masters right
0: and I I, I, I we might have to check on that we might have to check on because that. I I don't know if it was we might have misheard um, because I heard the same thing you did. Yeah. And I just thought that would be a lot of traffic and a lot of wear and tear. I mean, th- these kids beat up the course. The range, I mean, when they were done was just... just littered. Yeah, it was just landmine. It was. It so was. I'd be interested to see if they played it the same way or if they played it from the same tees. Because you know
1: those part threes, are they've got
0: to be beat up by the time they're done. Right. So unless they just go and replace all the grass.
1: Right. I just thought it was it was interesting how they're like, yeah, I've played Augusta twice. I've played Augusta three times. Yeah. Oh, how
0: many times have you played the national? Right, well, oh, four, I've
1: never, uh, twice this last year. Right, then, yeah, yeah.
0: <laughs> it's so like just a, very casual conversation. Never even been there. <laughs> yeah, I <laughs> yeah. mean, we're standing there like really wide-eyed, like what? Augusta <laughs> did, National? Did I hear that right? Yeah, and they're just uh, whatever. Uh, we'll right. play. We'll play later this year. Yeah. Whatever. I don't know. Um, it
1: was. It was just a, 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 great, a great, great experience. A, great humbling experience. experience. Yeah. So.
0: Yeah. Very. It was a. Uh, v- we were very fortunate to be able to go out there, and uh, we probably annoyed you by saying that so uh we won't say it anymore but we we uh, did enjoy it very much
2: awesome yeah
0: well yeah we'll look forward to episode three and uh we'll have some good content coming for you soon and uh thanks for watching yep absolutely stay tuned everybody